Good morning. Oh, let's try that one more time. Good morning. As you're finding your seats, we are glad you're here with us this morning at Broadway Baptist here at Broadway 1109. We want to say welcome and Merry Christmas to you. We hope that you are having a fantastic Christmas season uh, with all the festivities going on. Uh, if you're a visitor with us this morning, if you're new, uh, we hope you got a bulletin on your way in. On the corner of that, you'll find a little perforated tab. Um, that's our Connect card. We just simply ask that you'll fill that out, tear it off, and then drop it in our offering plate here in just a few minutes. Or if you miss that, that's okay. You can turn it in at our welcome desk located at the back of our sanctuary as you walk out. That's just our way of getting to know you a little bit better and learning how we can best minister to you and your family here at Broadway. Uh, so we just ask that you would do us that favor and fill that out for us. Uh, we've got some special guests with us this morning. Uh, we have our Broadway Handbell Choir. They uh, performed in the 9 o'clock service and did a fantastic job, and I know they're going to bless you this morning as we continue into the Christmas season. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll turn it over to uh, Steve Mosco, their director. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you that we can come this morning and that we can celebrate the birth of your son, our Savior. Lord, we thank you for all that uh, this season brings, the festivities, the joy, the happiness. And Lord, we thank you most of all uh, that we celebrate that it brings salvation. God, now as we move into our time of worship together this morning, we pray that you're honored in it. We pray that you are glorified, that you're exalted, and that you're lifted high. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be gathered here this morning. God, and we pray that uh, you would be uh, in and among our midst as we worship you. God, we love you. We thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen. As we continue to worship, we want to invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing some Christmas carols this morning. 
and uh, celebrate the birth of our Savior. Let's stand as we sing together this morning. Got it. 
time as you have a seat, and I'm going to pray for us, and we'll move into our time of offering. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for uh, the many blessings that you have given us, the opportunity uh, to be here this morning, being one of them. Lord, we move into uh, a time of giving now, a time of giving back a portion of what you have blessed us with. Lord, we pray that you would take our tithes and our offerings, that you would use them, that you would bless the gift and the giver to further your kingdom through our church here at Broadway. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
today, we have children's sermon. So if you are between the ages of birth and fifth grade, you want to come on down. We have an opportunity to read as well as to pray. Can I sit? Can I sit right here? Yes. All right. If you're here, let's get this. All right. Birth through fifth grade. All right. We are talking about Jesus. And we're going to read this book, and then we're going to read a Bible verse. So I'm going to need someone to read, and then after that, I need someone to pray. So y'all be thinking about that. Now this book here I got, and uh, we're not going to read the whole book, so we'll start halfway. That's how y'all finish the book, but you know that you start halfway when you read. Alright, look at here. We'll start with the animals. It says here, the animals gathered, each eager to see who this new little boy could possibly be. The cow shared her hay, the sheep gave his fleece, and the cat heard a song of heavenly peace. Was there a cat at the manger scene with Jesus? Who here has a cat? A lot of folks have a cat. All right, let's keep going. Nearby in the hills, boys tended their sheep, and those who were napping were startled from sleep. For a choir of angels filled the darkness with light, giving news of the birth that had happened that night. What is that right there? A shepherd's staff. This is going to be our promise. What is this? A shepherd's staff. Or it's a J for Jesus. Or it's an M, so whichever one. But we're going to read the Bible verse that talks about the shepherd's staff here in a minute. Now look, here's the wise men. Across the wide desert came kings from afar, who looked to the heavens and who were led by a star. They came bearing treasures and riches galore to welcome the baby the world waited for. The wise men rode on camels across the desert to see baby Jesus. Who here has ever rode a camel? We had a camel here this summer. BBS. This will be our last one we'll look at. With hearts full of wonder, everyone came whispering Jesus, the sweet baby's name. Each gave what they had from treasures and gold to the stories of angels the shepherd boys told. It talks about the shepherds there, how the shepherds, they were excited to hear from the angels that Jesus had been born, and they took their staffs, and they were the first people to visit baby Jesus in the manger. Came from the shepherds in the field there in Bethlehem. So we're going to read a Bible verse here about the shepherds. Let's see here, it's in Luke 2, 8. I need a contestant. All right. Who here's a good reader? Girls, what's your name? Lisa. Come on down, Lisa. 
There's another opportunity because somebody will have to pray. All right, Lisa, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Luke 2, 8. It starts right there. This is about the shepherds. In the same region, shepherds were, were staying. staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. There it is. Good job, Lisa. I'm so proud of you. You did a good job reading that. The shepherds were out in the field keeping watch, and then the angels announced to them that Jesus had been born. All right, now, I need someone to close us in prayer. And then after we pray, here, Lisa, that's for you. you you're the first one to get a shepherd staff. And then after we pray, we're going to go see Miss Sherry here on the front pew, and you're going to receive your uh, shepherd staff. All right, who would like to pray? Evie, come on down. All right, Evie, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and where Evie's going to say our Christmas prayer. All right, Evie. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we pray that we'll have a great Christmas week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Evie. That is wonderful. All right, children, you're going to go see Miss Sherry. And you're going to get your Christmas, uh, Christmas uh, shepherd staff, and then y'all will go to children's church. That's what you did it last year. Children's, uh, children's sermon is always so exciting. You never know, uh, never know what's going to happen at the um, at the first service. We had a three-year-old read, and she learned to read. <laughs> so it, that's that's what happened this morning. Anyway, uh, we're so glad you're here. We are open your Bibles to the Book of Matthew, Matthew chapter two. We are right here in the three days or so before Christmas, and we are looking at the Christmas story. This is always an exciting time of year. Sunday here before Christmas, we're seeing the story of how God was working in the birth of His Son, and it goes all the way back. We're going to look at two different scriptures today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Then in a little bit, we're going to flip over and see how even with Abraham, there was a promise with him of what God was doing. And so we want to turn our Bibles in a little bit after Matthew. We're going to flip back in to look at the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So that's going to be our scripture passages this morning here. So um, go ahead and pull that out. While you're turning there, uh, I want to tell a story because what happened was this is a kind of an unexpected event when we see the wise men when they came. The wise men came from a faraway land. They were Gentiles, like all, most of us, and they traveled thousands of miles to worship Jesus. So the nations literally came to the Lord with that. And I think about that. Uh, that uh, This past Friday, I had to stop by the Salvation Army, and, 
This is my first time to go to the Salvation Army here in Lexington. It's uh, located down there, downtown on Main Street. So I went there, and what happened was, I had to, we, uh, we're, tomorrow we're, we've got 24 time slots to ring the bell at Fayette Mall, and um, our church does. So you'll see us there if you go to the mall. It's gonna, I'm sure it'll be a mad zoo uh, two days before Christmas. But uh, I had to go pick up the little red kettles that folks put their money in and get all the supplies. Well, I went in there, and um, you walk in, and there's a, a little memorial monument to William Booth. You say, well, who's William Booth? William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. It was founded in 1865 in London, England. And it was really neat. I was reading about his story. In his story, he didn't start out one day wanting to found the Salvation Army. That's not how it occurred. What happened with Salvation Army is um, he was actually a Methodist pastor. And he was, in 1861, he was pastoring a local church there in England. And he was one of those guys that God, even though he was pastoring a church, God had called him, he felt, to be an evangelist. He wanted to travel around and do revivals and hold... Um, different uh, religious services at different churches around England in 1861. Well, he told the Methodist church, in Methodist church they appoint their leadership there. The bishops do. Well, he told them, he says, I want you to appoint me as an evangelist. I want to hold revivals and not be stuck at one church. I want to travel and go. Well, they didn't want him to do that. They wanted him to be a local pastor. Well, he's finally decided, okay, it's 1861. I'm just going to uh, do my own thing. I'm going to become an itinerant Methodist evangelist, meaning he, he's going to break away from their appointment process, and he's just going to go into their churches and preach. So he did that. He told me he was no longer going to be um, a pastor. He's just going to do, go be an independent evangelist. Well, they said, okay, if you do that, we're going to ban you from preaching in Methodist churches. So they did. So he was then banned from preaching in churches, in the Methodist churches that he, was, he had been serving in. So he's like, well, this isn't working out. I, now I can't go around preaching the churches. I have revivals, so what do I do? And do you know where William Booth went? He went to the streets. He went to the homeless. He went to poor folks. Anybody on the street there in London that would listen to him in 1865, he would just preach to the folks. And that is how the Salvation Army started. He wanted to go to the poorest of poor and bring the gospel to them because he was kicked, he was banned from the church of, of sharing uh, about the Lord. And in many ways, what we're about to see right here, that was an unexpected event for him. He wanted to be in a Methodist evangelist in churches, and he ended up preaching to the homeless and the poor in London and, and, started, uh, and started that ministry of the Salvation Army. That is very similar to what we're about to see here about what happened when Mary and Joseph, all of a sudden they get these visitors, the wise men, and their whole lives change. So I want you to pick up here in your Bible. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now what happened? These men were in current day what we would consider Iran, Iraq, it's east. So they traveled literally 2,000 miles probably to Jerusalem. A star had appeared. 
They were astrologers. They read the signs, and God had spoken to these men for them to travel a couple thousand miles to worship little Jesus. They do not know what they're walking into. They know they're being led by the Lord, and they're going to follow the star to see the new king. All right. So, they show up at King Herod in verse 2, and they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. Well, they show up to King Herod. He's there in Jerusalem. And that's not exciting news for the city of Jerusalem. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. So what happened was he rounded up all of uh, Jerusalem and his chief priests, and he says, these men, these foreigners are here, and they want to know where this king is going to be born. And he's upset. Well, if King Herod's upset, you need to be upset too. And the reason why is the way King Herod does business is if he's not happy, he kills you. And um, that solves all the world's problems. And that's what he would do. So that's why it says all of Jerusalem is upset and disturbed because the king is upset and disturbed. And he feels this, there's a new king that has been born and he doesn't want any rival. So we have competition now. So he, what he does is he doesn't... He doesn't send, he doesn't go himself to look for baby Jesus. He asks the Pharisees and the religious leaders, says, tell me about this child, what he's going to be born. You see the arrogance and the cockiness of this man. Look in verse 5. They know exactly where Jesus is to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. What's amazing about this? They're quoting the Bible, they're quoting Micah 5, 2 to King Herod. They even knew exactly where the Messiah was going to be born. The Bible says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And they say in verse 6, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then King Herod secretly summoned the wise men, and asked them the exact time the star had appeared. Do you know why he did that? Because he wanted to find out exactly when did the star appear because I need to know at what age this child is up to because I'm going to kill him. And he has a secret plan already in place to kill every baby in Jerusalem or in, in Bethlehem. Every child, every baby boy is going to be killed in Bethlehem. Look at what goes on here. It says, verse 8, He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and it was the star they had seen is rising. It led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. So it literally, the star, it moved from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, even over the house where Jesus was staying. Now, 
In most books, including the book I just read, it has baby Jesus there at the manger scene. But we know it had been up to two years. Jesus could have been one year old at this point by the time the wise men showed up. They probably still weren't sitting around in the manger. A room had come available in the inn. They were either staying at the inn or remember Jesus' ancestral family as well as Mary's is from the lineage of David. And that's what brought them to Bethlehem because that's where Bethlehem, David was born in Bethlehem. So that's, they probably had extended family that was living there that Mary and Joseph could have stayed with. So after the manger scene we have, Mary and Joseph, they continued to live for a little while in Bethlehem. And that's where the wise men showed up at. They arrived there. Keep going here in the, your Bible. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Look at this. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So what happened here is God spoke to these wise men. Because they were planning on going back to Herod, they really believed Herod wanted to go worship the king too. Herod didn't want to worship the king. Herod wanted to kill baby Jesus. So God spoke to these wise men and said, don't go back to Jerusalem, you just go a different way home. You just get out of here. God is leading the wise men. So listen, the wise men were not just some accident. God had a greater plan leading these men to little Jesus. Now look what happens here. Verse 13. After they were gone, the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Someone like Mary and Joseph, they would not go to Egypt. Remember about Egypt. Egypt, Herod had no jurisdiction over. Egypt was a pagan place. Egypt was run by Pharaoh. Herod is running this area of Judea in Israel. So what's happening here is God realizes Herod's going to come kill every baby in Bethlehem, so you're going to have to flee to another country. And not only that, the Israelites had been in Egypt before. Remember the story of Joseph? How he had dreams of seven good years and seven bad years. Now Joseph, this is Jacob's son. And what happened was, there was seven good years in Egypt. And they stored up their grain. Because after the seven good years were seven bad years of famine. And there was a famine all over the land all over the world, and everyone had to come to Egypt to purchase grain because God led Joseph to store it up. And so what happened, there was a family named Jacob and his 11 sons. He had 12, but one, Joseph, he was already in Egypt. He was the prime minister there. Well, what happened was Jacob led his family to Egypt to see their brother and Jacob's son and buy grain from him. 
Well, what started out to be a little visit ended up staying 400 years. And what occurred here was after 400 years, next thing you know, the Israelites, they're becoming a now, they started out with a 70 folks, now it's over a million, 400 years later. The Hebrews were in slavery, and God raised up Moses to deliver all the Hebrews out of that slavery. And that was the parting of the Red Sea, and that's wandering in the desert for 40 years. That's the birth of a, a young nation at that point. And God was guiding them out of Egypt. Egypt, listen, Broadway Baptist, is that place that sometimes you have to live, but you never really want to be there. You never want to stay in Egypt, but there's times in your life you have to go there. And Jesus had to go to Egypt because he was escaping Herod. And Jacob had to go down and bring his family of 70 people down to Egypt to see his son Joseph and live there because that's where the food was. Egypt is a pagan lost place. So here is Jesus in another continent. He's in Egypt. There's times in your life that you will find yourself in Egypt. All right, keep going here. It says, Take the child, verse, last part, verse 13, and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Just like the Israelites in the time of Moses, Jesus was also called out of Egypt. Egypt is a place for some of us. You will find yourself there. And God calls us and delivers us. Egypt is the place of sin. Egypt is the place of slavery. Egypt is the place that ultimately you want to be called out of. When you get saved, you're being called out of Egypt. It's a place you don't want to stay. So what happened here in this story? We see God. We see the Lord. How He is literally just moving in this young family's life of Mary and Joseph. How they did not... These are a poor couple. And they are, they are there in Bethlehem. And all of a sudden, these wise men show up and give them and bring all these gifts to them. They would not have had the resources and the money to escape to Egypt. God provided for this young family. And He certainly provides for us. So pull out your little... If you have your little bulletin, pull out your bulletin insert here. While you pull that out, I want to reference another scripture. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Because what the story of what we're seeing here about the birth of Jesus and this promise, this isn't just something that just happened. This was promised to a man named Abraham. Abraham received a promise from the Lord. And look what it says here. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house, 
to the land that I will show you. Abraham lived in an area called Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur of the Chaldeans is in current day a rock near the Euphrates River. That's over a thousand miles from what we would call the promised land in Israel. God has selected this man named Abram and his wife Sarah, and he's going to start a new work, the work of redemption through them. Look at the promise that he's made. Verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth, look at this, will be blessed through you. Now, you think about Abraham. He's a young guy. And God is speaking to him, saying, Abraham, I know you're out here in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, but every person on earth will actually be blessed through you from all generations. So what is he talking about? How are we today in 2019 blessed for a promise that was given, listen, 4,000 years ago to Abraham? That's when Abraham lived. God called Abraham 4,000 years ago. Because from Abraham came David. From David came Jesus. Our salvation is through Jesus. The promise that was made to Abraham, when you and I get saved, when we give our lives to Christ, we are actually fulfilling this promise. The blessing of Jesus came through Abraham. And it comes to us today. The Christmas story is one that was actually promised even long before Jesus was born. God has a redemptive plan in every little detail from the dreams that Joseph received that he had to take Mary as his wife that we looked at last week. He wanted to divorce Mary because he thought she had gotten pregnant by another man, and it was actually the Lord got her pregnant. Down to now, the midnight escape to Egypt, God spoke to Joseph, and he was obedient. God spoke to the wise men and said, don't go back to Herod and speak to them and speak to him. You need to get, go back a different route because Herod wants to kill the child that you're there to worship. God was working in all of these examples. And I think what we see here is we want to be able to say, okay, Lord, I see these, this Christmas story. I see how you're just leading and working all these people, but what about me? God, how can, how can how you work in my life this Christmas? All right, in your bulletin insert, look here at the bottom. Take home. Here is how God wants to work through you at Christmas. Number one, Gentiles from the east. These are the wise men. They had traveled probably 2,000 miles to worship the king. They, if they were willing to make that journey to worship the Messiah, how far will you go? Now put this in perspective. These men came from Iraq or Iran. God might be calling you a rock or ran, 
or he might be calling you to walk across the room. You know, Christmas Eve is Tuesday. Christmas Day is Wednesday. Do you know what happens on Christmas? This is when you see a lot of family members. And there's probably folks that you're going to see the next few days that they're not in church this morning, they're not planning on coming to a Christmas Eve candlelight service, and they think Christmas is about getting presents. They hear the Christmas story, and they think about Santa Claus. They think about getting stuff. They think about going to see Star Wars and movies and eating food. And the story of Christmas is, as we know, is about Jesus. God wants you and I to sometimes go to our family and tell them about the Lord. Do you have any lost family members? Do you know any folks that do not know Jesus this Christmas? Will you be celebrating Christmas with someone that is spiritually lost? Sometimes it's literally just walking across the kitchen or across the house and invite them to church, the Christmas Eve candlelight service, to invite them into a conversation about what the real meaning of why, why Jesus came. You will be shocked at how few people know the story that I just told. Many of you know this story. You've been in church your whole life. You know about the shepherds. You know about the wise men. You know about the manger, baby Jesus. But that story is not being told like it used to. I think I've told this story before. In Georgia, I, I was in a small town one time where we lived in Moreland, Georgia. And um, I was visiting a church member who went to Moreland High School back, now it's an elementary school, but they had their, um, their old uh, church, or not church, school directory. And I was visiting this church member, and they were telling me about their life and everything. And this was from like the late 60s, early 70s. And they said, Dan, look, look at this and see what you, uh, what you think about the, our school directory from our high school at Moreland High School. And I was flipping through it. And it had little different things throughout the year. Well, there was a Christmas section. They did a Christmas play. Do you know what the Christmas, in late, late 60s, early 70s, if you went to the public school and you did a Christmas play, do you know what it was? It was, the, it was the Christmas story with baby Jesus and Mary. It had scripture all over it. It had the angels. It had the shepherds. It had the wise men. And literally, you would just flip through three or four pages in this old school directory, and you're telling the Christmas story. This past week, at our local school here in Fayette County, we went to the Christmas program with our children. It wasn't the Christmas story. It was something different. The story, the greatest story ever told, it's not being told. And that story is Jesus came from this promise from the Old Testament to Him being born in that manger so that children, teenagers, and us as adults, we can tell what Christmas is all about. That's why these Gentiles came and traveled all the way from the east and we need to be willing to go too. Because Christmas isn't going to come to you anymore. You have to bring Christmas to other people. Those days and that culture is gone here in America. Our responsibility is to be like the wise men 
and we take the gospel across the room. We take it across the hall or across the office. Number two, the wise men provided for their nighttime escape. Mary and Joseph here, this was a poor couple, young. They had a little infant named Jesus. They would not have the resources to leave in the middle of the night and go travel to Egypt of all places. But when three men show up from middle nowhere, literally, and bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and go, here you go, here's some Christmas presents. And then that night, Joseph has a dream to get up in the middle of the night and hit the road. God has provided for this young family. Christmas is about giving. God gave us Jesus at Christmas, and then the wise men gave to Mary and Joseph so they could be taken care of on their midnight escape to save Jesus' life. God wants you and I to give. You should be known as a generous person, not as a moocher, not as a stingy person, as a generous person. God loves a cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians tells us. When you give to this church, God wants Broadway Baptist Church to be a strong, healthy church. Our city, Lexington, needs Broadway. We have a lost and dying city out there. These people are lost. They need the gospel. A strong church from birth to senior adult ministry, every area of this church, when you give to it, it's supporting age groups specific, different types of ministries that want to see folks saved and the gospel advance. This is why we give to Lottie Moon. That's why if you saw on the offering plates, little children had their little, in children's church, they're, they're turning in their little Lottie Moon uh, buckets, their little uh, collection boxes they've received. They were, they're being turned in today. We give to Jesus. The best gift you'll ever give at Christmas is to Jesus. Why? Because that's the gift of salvation. Every time you come to this church, people should be teaching and preaching and singing about who? Jesus. That's what we want to give to. That's what you should give to. Salvation Army. What do they talk about? You go down there that uh, facility on Main Street, what are they talking about? Jesus. William Booth, what did that man do? He's an itinerant Methodist evangelist preaching Jesus to the poor. Lastly, we see here, God directed the path of this young family from Nazareth to Bethlehem to Egypt and then settling again in Nazareth. That is the path Mary and Joseph made. They went to all those different places and then they left Egypt there. God told them to go and to, it's time to head out because Herod had died and they settled in Nazareth and that's where Jesus grew up. Notice how God continued to guide this lump, young family. Are you allowing God to guide you? God guides us in a lot of different areas. He guides us in our relationship with Him. He guides us in our interactions with our family members that you're going to have this week. He'll guide you hopefully Tuesday and invite some folks to a Christmas Eve candlelight service and they hear about who? Jesus. He guides us. How does God guide us today? Think about it. 
Here at the Christmas story, Joseph was having dreams. The wise men had dreams. They were being guided by the Lord. Mary saw an angel, the angel Gabriel. Do you know how we're guided? We're guided by God's Word. When you read your Bible at Christmas, when you on Wednesday are celebrating Christmas, somebody needs to pull out the Christmas story and read that scripture because that's what guides us. If you are not reading your Bible, you're essentially saying, God, I don't need your guidance. God has chosen to guide us through this book today. Now, you might still have a dream. You might still see an angel. But the primary way the Lord is guiding us today is through His Word. And what's amazing about the guidance is, remember when Herod got this announcement from the wise men that this child, this king, had been born. And he turns to the chief priests, the Pharisees, and say, go read your book, go read the Bible, and tell me where Christ is supposed to be born. And the amazing thing is, they knew. They knew the Bible. They knew in Bethlehem, in Micah 5, 2, that's where he's going to be born, the city of David. And they didn't do anything. They even knew the Messiah was supposed to be there, but they didn't even bother to believe it and go see for themselves. That ultimately saved Jesus' life. That is how the Lord guides us. You can, back in the Bible times, they knew the Bible, but they didn't follow it. Today, people don't even know the Bible, and they still don't follow it. But you can know the Bible. You know the Bible by you making a commitment to say, God, I will live by your word. And how do you know your word? You literally, Jesus calls it the bread of life. It's like eating food. I'm going to live on every bread, every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In closing here, I'm going to invite Chris and the band to come forward. We look at this story. We look at how the Lord is just constantly working. Using these wise men. Guiding every aspect of what's occurring. And this Christmas, I want you to say, God, will you lead me to go? Are you, how are you leading me to give? And how are you guiding me? The wise men came and worshipped Jesus. We're inviting you to do the same. You make Christ the object of your worship this week. He is the Lord of Lords. He's worthy of our worship. The first ones to worship Jesus were Gentiles. And if they were willing to travel 2,000 miles, how far are you willing to go? God, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here that has never received you, they've never accepted you as their Savior, I pray this morning that they will respond to this invitation. Lord, it's no accident that you've guided us to the sanctuary. Lord, I pray for you to move. I pray for you to do a great thing this week in Christmas. I pray that we never forget the story of what Christmas is all about. Lord, I thank you for our band. I thank you for the children. I thank you for the folks who are here learning and studying your word. 
Jesus, I pray this invitation. We never miss an opportunity to respond to you. Mary and Joseph responded. The wise men responded. We too need to respond. God, we give you this time of response. In your name we pray. Amen. We close every single service here with a time of response. I stand down front. You can make a decision to join our church. You can come and talk to me about what it means to be saved. Or you can make a commitment to the Lord. Whatever it is, now is our time to respond to Jesus. Let's stand together while I stand down front waiting for you to respond. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah.
dawn the day you called me in to heaven's sweet embrace. I'll see your scars, your open arms, the beauty of your face. And through tears of joy, I'll lift my voice in everlasting praise. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Amen. We're glad you were with us this week here at Broadway 1109. We want to thank you for being here. Again, just a reminder, we don't have services this evening, uh, but we will see you back here Tuesday night at 5 o'clock for our Candlelight Christmas Eve service. We know you're going to want to be a part of that. Uh, we encourage you to bring your families and uh, come join us Tuesday evening at 5 o'clock for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, I'm going to invite Richard Carroll. Richard normally is behind a guitar, uh, but I'm going to hand him a mic. He's our Deacon of the Week this week, and uh, I'm going to ask him to close us in prayer. Lord, so gracious and heavenly Father, we come to you today as so thankful that you have provided a place for us when we die. Um, through this week and losing my aunt and seeing her go to her internal home has made me rejoice in the fact that you provided a son for us who would eventually die on a cross and provide a way for us to live in that internal home. And one day I will be with her again. We thank you for the, the season because you are the reason for the season and that we be with us as we leave this place today and until we come back. And it's in the, Jesus' name I ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. We'll see you Tuesday.